Get 12 weeks of The Spectator in print and online for just £12. And we'll give you a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy, which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics. The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Dominic Green, who is Deputy US Editor of The Spectator. And we're going to be asking if Marjorie Taylor Green, who is no relation, I don't think, Dom. I don't believe so. No, not she would disown me if no. I didn't disown her. <laughs> we're going to be asking if she, Marjorie Taylor Green, that is, is the future of the Republican Party. So, Dom, for Americano listeners who might not have been following this story, Marjorie Taylor Green is a sort of perfect example of what people think when they think the Republican Party's gone crazy because she is a little bit crazy, or she certainly has believed a lot of very crazy things and shared crazy conspiracy theories online from QAnon to this idea that I think it is that a Jewish space laser, space laser yes. Oh, yes. Um, is, causing, <laughs> is causing fires in California. And this week, the House of Representatives has voted to strip her of her committee roles that she had, which is quite a aggressive move from the Democrats and is um, causing some reaction among Republicans. But it's fair to say that in any sort of sane, normal world, she probably shouldn't be the face of Republican politics. And yet, here we are, and she sort of is. Yes, and it's true. And which Republican party would you like is the answer, because there is the party of Washington, D.C., which is largely still the party of centrism, and still talks in terms of achieving bipartisan accommodations with the Democrats, even if it often doesn't for strategic reasons. And then there is the other rising Republican Party, which is the party of the base, party of an unknown number of voters. It was the party of Trump. And it's the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like her. And her particular style is, like many of the newer figures, entirely shaped by social media. And there is a school of thought that says people like her, shouldn't be in Congress. I don't know about that, but I would certainly suggest they shouldn't be allowed on the internet because it hasn't done her any good at all. Well, yes. I mean, there have always been crazy members of Congress. It's a very large house and America's a very large and interesting country. So there's always been kind of eccentrics and dangerously uh, unstable people <laughs> in Congress. So she's, no, she's not a sort of newbie in that regard. No. And, and, you know, Joe Biden, when he started, uh, and he talks about it now, was still very chummy with segregationists in the, you know, the older Democratic uh, representatives, people like Robert Byrd, who was a grand cyclops in the KKK, whatever that is. And the defense, of course, of, of many Republicans has been to point the finger at the Democrats and say, well, you have Ilan Omar. She may not believe in the Jewish space laser, but she believes in, in similar paranoid conspiracies and so on. In other words, you're just as bad as we are. Yeah, which is not a great defence, is it? No, it's a bit of a downward spiral. Yeah. And, and the question is, well, the, the question firstly is, is the Republican Party actually going to see a split? Is this 
the Patriot wing, the MAGA wing, is, is this going to break off and form a new party or are they going to be able to hold the show together and recapture the House of Representatives in the midterms? Well, it's odd, isn't it? Because, I mean, Trump seems to be moving away from the Patriot Party idea, I think, quickly realising that it would not be as lucrative or useful for him as perhaps he thought it might be. But also because Trump and the Republican Party has always been an awkward marriage, but they did need each other to survive. Yes. And from Trump's point of view, he has the brand, not the Republican Party. And from the party's point of view, they didn't exactly enjoy it. Certainly Mitch McConnell, leader of the Republicans in the Senate, never really came to an accommodation. And even now, McConnell calls Marjorie Taylor Greene a cancer on the party. In other words, that's not his idea of who the Republicans should be. And perhaps McConnell is not Trump's idea. And Trump has this name. He has one of the most fantastic commercial opportunities in the email list that he has. Perhaps he doesn't actually need the Republican Party in order to shape the debate in the way that, say, Nigel Farage has an enormous impact in Britain without actually having many voters. Yes. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene did apologise, sort of. It was a kind of um, ham-fisted apology. mealy mouth. <laughs> I think not ham-fisted. mealy mouth apology. Um, it was a ham-mouthed. The ham-mouthed mealy-fisted apology. And she made it out she got caught up in an internet conspiracy theory circle. But the fact is she did share these things. She, she wasn't just liking them, was she? She was promoting. Promoting is the thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is an indication of a kind of mental rot. And uh, political parties always, as you're saying, they always have their quota of nutters. And if you have a two-party system, you're going to have more because they've got nowhere else to go. The question is, in, in a way, if the voters lose their orientation, if they actually part company with reality, what is the consequence of that for a democracy? And we have to assume the consequences are actually quite dangerous. Well, this is where I think a lot of the media perhaps doesn't quite understand Trump's base, because I think they think that every Trump voter is a sort of QAnon person who thinks that satanic paedophiles have taken over Washington. But the fact is, I mean, there are a surprisingly large number of people who do believe that. And I think what you get is media people will say, or mainstream media people, I suppose you call it, will say something like, well, 70% of Trump voters think there was something suspicious about mail-in voting. And then they'll sort of take that statistic and elide it with QAnon and make out every single Trump supporter to be uh, insane when they're not. No, and most of the American media is strongly in favour of the Democrats. And all the way through Trump's five years in the spotlight, they were saying that anyone who was with him was a fascist or a racist or a neo-Nazi or a conspiracist. And it's very obvious that um, most of them aren't because, yes. you know, the system is still running and society is still, despite everything, much as it, as it was. That said, if you are a conspiracist, a fanatic, or you have a loose grip on reality, there's never been a better time because both parties have these wings which cater, really cater to you. Yeah, to your, exactly. I know. I mean, it's not, it's not exactly... What aboutery? It's not the great sin of what aboutery to say that the Democrats really did believe, a lot of Democrats, a lot of democratically minded people believed that Donald Trump was an asset of Vladimir Putin because Putin had a video of him being urinated on by prostitutes, which when you think about it is quite an extreme theory. And there wasn't a lot to back it up. But a hell of a lot of people believed it. And, and the, New York Times, the New York Times won a Pulitzer for its reporting of something which it turns out actually didn't happen. Yes. So, I mean, the loss of reality is, is everywhere. It is. And I think, to be fair to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is no relation, 
Part of this is to do with class snobbery, that when the New York Times puts huge resources into, you know, the, the Russia gate theory and wins a prize for it, it's the paper of record and uh, CNN congratulates it for, for its integrity in protecting the liberal system. But when you get somebody who comes from a small town in the 14th district of Georgia and has um, done sort of exercise videos and things like that in the past, mm. as Marjorie Taylor Greene has, then there's an enormous amount of metropolitan condescension. In other words, our liberal fantasy is the way things should be, and your far-right racist fantasy is completely unacceptable. In fact, neither of them have any grounding in reality. Mm. Well, there's talk that Joe Biden might hire a reality czar, which is quite a scary-sounding idea, to combat disinformation and conspiracy theories. But, of course, what that will mean is somebody who combats people like Marjorie Taylor Greene but doesn't do anything to combat insane conspiracy theories among Democrats. I think, well, if there is a reality czar, I think one of his first stops should be the Oval Office because it's not really clear whether Joe Biden is fully aware of what his own administration is doing already <laughs> after the first month. But no, you have a point that reality in the US, as in most you know, free societies, is something which is achieved by uh, competition and the balance of forces, that so there is a rough understanding of what happened and the rest is interpretation. What has happened in the US is unprecedented, which is the splitting of that reality into two parallel media realities. Mm. And yes, the government in power will impose its own reality through that media czar. And of course, the big social media companies quite willingly in the case of Twitter and sort of unwillingly in the case of Facebook have both volunteered in a way recently to serve as the realities are. Do you think it's unstoppable, the sort of descent into conspiracy? It's been going on for a long time, and it's not just Trump. It was, it's been happening for a while that online media accelerates conspiracy thinking. Well, yes, um, but, you know, a majority of people didn't believe Lee Harvey Oswald shot JFK. Yeah. They're firmly on the grassy knoll. And that was a very low tech. That was, that was before all of the media we now blame. And you could say the United States is founded on a slightly fantastical assumption that 18th century Britain was a sort of military dictatorship. They, they confused the Britain of George III with their ally, of course, absolutist France. So America has an exaggerated propensity built into its idea of what good politics is. Yes. And, and that's why we have these spasms like, you know, the Red Scare, to return to the, the satanic paedophile panics. These things are reflexes in American psychology. So, but certainly social media has accelerated, I think, the cycle to the point when it's no longer clear that the politicians are driving it, say in the way Joseph McCarthy drove the Red Scare, versus a sort of chaotic digital mob driving it, as in the rise to Congress of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, I suppose America might be better off with an, with an unreality though, to try and contain its own wildness. Yes, exactly. To say, you know, you, you're free to believe whatever you want, but do understand that this, you know, in the way of any footage of the Kardashians, that this has only a limited purchase on reality. And when it comes to politics, which used to be about things like taxes, immigration, schools, the highways, you know, these are the things, with, you know, the health mess, the healthcare and, and the insurance fiasco, all of these things are at the front of Americans' minds all the time. None of this speaks to any of that. Marjorie Taylor Greene, as far as I'm aware, does not have an answer, say, on healthcare. Jim Mantle wrote a very good piece for the Spectators American website yesterday in which he said that this is a conservative leadership vacuum and that if the Republicans don't find good people to fill it, it's going to be filled by 
dear Marjorie, people like her, and people, who, as he put it, that will make Donald Trump look like Edmund Burke. It is a real problem for the Republican Party, and it's a problem for conservatives, because unless you're willing to go along with the democratic agenda, which a lot of people are not, you find yourself lumped in with... Yeah. Um, some real crazies. And one of the things to remember is that in America it's possible still just about to call yourself a conservative and vote democratic, that both parties have an extremely wide ideological field. But those fields are being narrowed and narrowed and that the number of small C conservatives who still vote democratic are probably defined by being in a particular region rather than the policies they're voting for. The Democrats themselves, of course, have this problem. They have an, a leadership who, who are you know, approaching 80 or past 80 and a radical younger wing. The Republicans seem to have the problem the other way around, which is the seniors aren't leading in the same way as in the Democratic Party. You know, Nancy Pelosi, who is 80 this year, Biden, these people are actually able to keep their hands on the wheel. The Republican Party is being you know, driven by popular enthusiasm and the kind of much younger people, say Josh Hawley, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's lots of them and they're very entertaining people, but they're not politicians in, in the sense that they have any understanding of legislation or issues. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much, though.